Meseches Demai, Perik Aleph, Mishnah Gimel, 1-3. This Mishnah continues on, as the whole Perik does, talking about the leniencies that apply to Demai. Here we're talking about leniencies with regard to using Demai products. Usually when one talks about Tevel, bona fide untithed produce, so it's forbidden to eat it without tithing it, and it's also forbidden to make use of it in a way that destroys um, the Tevel. So we're going to see here that Demai certainly is forbidden to be eaten without first separating the Demai tithes, but we will allow it to be um, used for other purposes, even though the Demai, the produce, is destroyed in the process. The Mishnah says, If a person purchases Demai and his plan is to use it for seeding his field, so he purchases wheat and then uses it as wheat seeds to grow a wheat field, or <clears throat> to feed to his animals, so normally that would be forbidden if it's if it's uh, tevel proper. You have to first um, tithe the uh, the tevel before using it for planting. <clears throat> and uh, once you finish processing the food, you can't feed it to your animals um, after gemar malacha without first tithing it. But with demai, we're makel in both cases. Um, in addition, when it comes to tevel, um, if one plants it and the seed is dissolves, you know, it, it wastes away before the thing regrows, then the <clears throat> the produce that comes from such a seed is, is allowed to be consumed and has a regular status, has regular food. However, um, when you plant, let's say, a bulb, which doesn't really get lost when you plant it, and a new plant grows from that bulb, that would be forbidden for consumption since the bulb was tevil. But none of that applies with demai. If one takes a demai bulb and plants it, then the produce that comes from that is uh, is permissible. Mishnah continues on, if a person purchases demai, uh, wheat, let's say, <clears throat> to make wheat flour and use that flour for tanning hides, the wheat acts as a desiccant to dry out the leather hides, and it's an essential part of the tanning process, and it consumes the wheat flour along the way. So if a person, if a person purchases wheat flour for industrial use, like, for example, for tanning hides, um, and the, what he purchased was demai, he need not take further demai tithes before using that demai flour for tanning his hides. And similarly, Shemin Lanair, if he buys, let's say, olive oil, and the olive oil is demai, he can use it as is um, for lighting a candle and not tithe it a second time. And similarly, Shemin Lasuchbo Esakalim, if he's using the oil as like an industrial lubricant um, to anoint, to grease up his utensils, or if it's used as a way to prevent rust, Similarly, you know, like WD-40 style, putting the oil on the on the utensil station, as you know, as a prevent it from, from water getting in and making it rusty. Again, even though it does consume the oil, the demai, it's permissible, which would not be the case if it were tevel proper. All these things are putter, minha demai, they're all exempt from the demai tithe. Now, the next part of the mission discusses um, regions where one purchases foodstuffs and where they're considered demai. The idea here is that when one purchases food, it's presumed to be locally produced and not imported from a distance. And therefore, once you leave the area that has the biblical requirements of tithing, so then there'd be no requirements for rabbinic tithing of demai. So what happened was originally when Kleisrael came in from Mitzrayim, there was a certain border set. When they left, um, there was a bit of a reset. So when the Jews came back a second time under Ezra and Baishani time, um, that part of the country, which was um, Kavush, was conquered by the Ole Bavel, those who came back with Ezra, etc. So that is the new borders of Eretz Israel that are subject to the laws of tithing. 
and therefore it's subject to the rabbinic requirements of demai. If one goes beyond those borders and purchases foodstuff, there's no reason to, no rabbinic requirement to take the demai tithes. Uh, it should be spoken out here that although Midoraisa, the borders of Israel, were those which were conquered by Ezra when he came back, um, rabbinically, the rabbis extended the requirements to Bavel since Jews were there and there's a lot of commerce between the two places, as well as the countries bordering areas Israel directly, meaning Amun and Mav, that's uh, modern-day Jordan, as well as um, Egypt to the south, and Syria, which is more or less modern-day Syria, which has slightly different halachas to the north. In any case, and here we're giving just the northern border, and we're saying, From the town of Kaziv and further north, um, that's considered to be beyond the borders of the Ole Bavel, those who came from, from Bavel and beginning of Ayasheni, and it's not subject to Demai. Kaziv is actually presumed to be um, the modern the area of Achziv, which is about um, say eight miles north of Akko and about two miles south of the current modern Israel's border at the Rosh Nikra, there on the northwest corner of Israel. Mishik continues on to say there are four categories of food which are not subject to the laws of Demai at all. There's a machlokas, the reason why. According to Yochan, Chazal would never goes there on these four things. And according to Oshia, um, who the Bartonora follows, it's because Ameha Aretz will be careful with these four things because of the sanctity that's involved and be careful to tithe properly. Bartonora goes with Oshia Shita, so we'll say that. Um, that we're assuming here that the Ama Aretz is particular to tithe these four things because they involve um, sanctified food stuff. The Rama, however, Paskins like the uh, Rav Yochanan and their, their significant Afkaminas. Um, if it's just according to Rav Yochanan and the Rambam, it's just Chazal would never goes there the din of Demai in these four areas. In any case, the list is number one, Chalas Amaaretz. The Chala taken from an Amaaretz is dough, that is, say, an Amaaretz, he has dough, he has a requirement to take a portion of that dough as Chala, Afrashas Chala for the Kohen, and when he gives it to the Kohen, the Kohen can eat it as is, he need not tithe it as Demai, that is to say, we're confident that, according to the Bartonor, we're confident that the Amha'aretz uh, would be careful to not mess up the mitzvah of challah by not tithing it properly, and therefore he would be um, careful to tithe properly uh, in giving the gift of challah, the mitzvah of challah to a Kohen, and therefore we um, do not require the Kohen to do the Dumai tithe. Vahamaduma. Maduma, if you remember in the introduction to the Masechta, I said that Dumai might come from the word Maduma. Dumai is with an Aleph and Maduma with an Ayin. But Maduma is a, is a mixture of Truma, or equally halachic things like trumas meiser, etc., that gets mixed with chulin, normal food. The normal rule is that when things get mixed, um, typically there's a either bitzel barov or a bitzel b'shishim. Um, if you have a, a dry mixture, you'd have sixty times against what annul the the uh, the one part of iser. Here, if we're talking about truma, the bar is raised a bit, and sixty times of chulin against truma would not annul the truma. It's still forbidden to eat by no non kohen until you get. Um, to um, 99 or 100 times chulin against one part of truma. And it's mechlokas 99 a bit or 100 times against. In either case, if a mixture contains one part of truma to 99 parts of chulin or less than that amount of chulin, then the mixture is called meduma and it's forbidden for non-kohen to eat. Instead, the owner of that mixture would 
um, sell the mixture to a cone, it's only a cone could eat it, and he um, wouldn't be able to charge the cone for that extra piece of trum that already belonged to the cone. In any case, if a Amharat has a Maduma mixture and he gives it to a Kohen, the Kohen can assume, says the mission here, that the Amharats would be careful because in, in deference to the Truma mixed in to tithe this mixture properly, and therefore he not need to take tithes um, of the Maya second time. The third category is Balakuach Bekes of Maishasheni. That food which is purchased with the money that came from Maishasheni. So again, you recall, when one takes Maishasheni, if he doesn't want to go to Jerusalem with it, the physical food, he can redeem the Kedush off the Meister Shani onto coins and bring those coins to Jerusalem and then use that to buy foodstuffs in Jerusalem. Now, when that process happens at each step of the way, there's a Kedusha that's transferred first from the Meister Shani onto the money and then from the money onto the newly purchased foodstuff in Jerusalem. So that new food also is sanctified in Jerusalem and it must be eaten um, in Jerusalem, but Tahara, etc. And um, therefore, if you have food that was purchased with money that are redeemed Meister Shani. The food that was purchased by the Amma'arts can be presumed to be uh, properly tithed because the Amma'arts would properly tithe the food and ensure it's properly done in deference to the mitzvah and sanctity of Meister Shani. And finally, the fourth category is Ushiarim HaManachos, leftovers, the Shirayim of Menachos, of meal offerings. Um, when one brings the meal offering, as many Amma'arts do for whatever reasons, the base of um, a little bit of it, a kamitza is offered, um, but typically the rest is going to be consumed and eaten by the by the kohanim. So the question would be, do the kohanim need to be afraid that this wasn't properly tithed and it's demai? The Mishnah's answer is no. Um, you do not need to be afraid of that. And according to Batanur, the pshat would be, the reason why is because once they're doing the mitzvah, bring a mincha, corporate mincha, the amharats would be careful to tithe it properly. And therefore the kohan has no reason to be afraid. In all those cases, patur mina demai, those four categories are exempt um, from the Demai obligations. Finally, Shemen Arev, which is um, pleasant oil. There's a Machlok, so what the Pshat here is, we'll go with the Bartender's first Pshat um, first, which is pleasant smelling oil. Shemen Afarsimon, balsam oil, smells good. So the question is, if one is partaking of oil but not eating it, rather smelling it, does that already require um, the Demai ties for the fear that this oil is not properly tied and is, is actually Tevel? Um, says yes this is the my obligation if you're just going to smell it and Bishil Potrim Bishil who the Lach of course follows is no you don't need to take the my tithes if you're not actually eating it you're just smelling it there's a second shot here that we're talking here about olive oil it's used as a salve um, on one's hands it's olive oil that's mixed with um, myrrh and aloe um, to sort of heal the hands um, but that's a I'll leave that shot aside for later on the idea of if that would be the pshat, is that um, there's usually a din of, of sicha kashtia, that one who anoints with something has has a din as if he drank that thing. So then one might have thought if he anoints his hands with uh, with the olive oil, it would be like consuming it and eating it and would first require tithing. It's like drinking it. So Beis Hill will say, no, it isn't. And we'll see in the next mission that's a more difficult pshat to, to uh, maintain. And therefore we'll stick to the first pshat as the one to remember which is if it's just smelling uh, produce, like the balsam oil, it's just for smelling, then according to Beis Hillel, no demai tithes required. Beis Shammai say there is, but the luck of course is like Beis Hillel.